0: Listening to the FUVFC podcast on WFUVSports.org. Yes, hello, everybody. FUVFC on this August 15th, 2017. I am John Furlong, as always, joining you for the next half hour as we talk soccer and everything about soccer. I've got Mir Gori on the phone with me. It wouldn't be an FUVFC podcast without Mir. How are you, bud? I'm doing
1: pretty well. It's been a rainy day in New York, but a good day to kind of enjoy, uh, you know, work from home and uh, relaxing indoors and also doing some workouts. So, you know, pretty decent day even if it's raining.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just came from workout as well. Recording this later than usual. Later, it's about 5.30. Usually we have the studio at 2 o'clock. But what that does is it allows us to talk about the Champions League qualifying games that took place today. And the big story, at least in English soccer, is that Liverpool took care of business. 2-1 win over Hoffenheim, a fantastic free kick from Jake Alexander-Arnold, their their young left-back, fantastic free kick. And then James Milner got a real lucky lucky deflection past the goalkeeper to make it 2-0, and of course it's Liverpool, so they give up a, a late goal to make it 2-1, but they were able to get out of Hoffenheim with a win and take care of business, and I, I think that's going to really ease the worries of a lot of Liverpool fans because if they if they would have lost to Hoffenheim and not even made it to the Champions League not only is that embarrassing on their own terms but can you imagine the the stick that they would get from United fans
1: well you know when we were making that list you know of our picks for the season I thought we had to actually make picks of our top four for every league silly of me and one of the teams that i thought was going to be a dark horse in the bundesliga was going to be hoffenheim um to me yeah i think that that goal at the end of the game was a bit lucky and it was just liverpool kind of you know one being a little undermanned because they just don't have the talent um to to really dominate uh, and and have multiple clean sheets but also because you know hoffenheim isn't isn't a bad team you know they they're they're champions league qualifying team uh they're a team that hasn't historically been great They've got a pretty good manager and uh, an ownership that's, that's backing them. Yeah, they did lose a couple of players to Bayern, but uh, I think the, the Narbi signing was, was, was a nice one. And I, I think that there's an opportunity for Hoffenheim to actually uh, make this, uh, this, this interesting against Liverpool. So to me, it wasn't as uh, straightforward as, oh, Liverpool just won it. I actually thought Hoffenheim would, would, would make it a little tougher.
0: No, I agree with you. I think Liverpool yeah. fans saw that draw and were really, really scared. They did not want to face this young Hoffenheim team. And yes, you said Su- Sule. I've probably pronounced that wrong. With their center back went to Bayern. He was one of the one of those p- players poached yeah. by Bayern that they seem to do every single summer.
1: Yeah, Hoffenheim is, is traditionally known just from talking to some of my friends as a as a feeder team because they have a very good academy system. But they've had a, a pretty good financially, and so they've been able to keep some of their players. And I think Bayern giving Narbi as a, as a, as a good-faith token for taking Sula was... was Sula, I actually Sula there we oppor- go, thank you. Yeah, I, I think it was an opportunity for Offenheim to to maybe rise up in the Bundesliga standings this year by the end of the season. Like, in my opinion, you know, we were talking off-air uh, off about Dortmund, you know, selling some players uh, before the window closes. And I think that if, if they either sell Dembele or Bamiyan, I think there's an opportunity. I know it's a bit of a long shot that... Hoffenheim finishes ahead of Dortmund in the standings. I think there's a, the chance for that.
0: That's a very interesting pick, but yeah, I could see that happening definitely. If yeah. especially if Aubameyang leaves, and we'll get into that later. We were just talking about Liverpool. Liverpool three-three draw with Watford on in the early game window of games that happened on Saturday. Bit of a, a very disappointing game for them, I think, for Liverpool fans who are really frustrated with the the lack of defensive stability. And that was they were frustrated with that coming into the season, but it really reared its ugly head in that game and against Watford. I, I believe it was on the road, right, Mir? Yeah. Okay. So it was a road game. So it's not the worst thing in the world. It would have been a lot worse to lose at home. But that's a disappointing start to the league, although they rebounded nicely to win this afternoon. But the biggest shock of the weekend has to be Burnley 3, Chelsea 2. Burnley, a team that won one game away from home next season or away from home last season, goes into the home of the reigning Premier League champions and is able to pull out a 3 2 win. Mir, your thoughts, and then we'll get to mine. And and there are going to be a lot of them.
1: Okay, so I'm not, you know, loyal to Chelsea, but I, I do feel uh, like Chelsea gets a bit of a, a harsher rap than most teams because I think uh, I think a lot of uh, English fans and, and just world football fans have been a little annoyed by their, their magical run last year and how... Quite how honestly, I mean, just,
0: I'll stop you right there. You know. I really disagree with you on that. I feel like Chelsea, a lot of times, they don't get enough stick. I think this this was the first time in a very long time, where I think I was like, okay, this is deserved, like everybody's mocking us and all that, like that's 100% no, deserved. I,
1: I wouldn't say so much uh, just the mocking, but I just think that there was a bit of jealousy. I, I think that when you can just come into a, a, a team like Conte did, and just so brazenly just lead them and have the same players from a year before, and Mourinho, you know, from time to time, making these snide remarks and getting the English media to laugh along with them, kind of saying, oh, in a way, comp is a little lucky. I think that this was finally the game where everybody can say, ah, well, you know, like I I see this train going that if if Chelsea goes down a a, a bit of a a tough stretch, that teams and fans will start saying, oh, they were a little lucky last year. In my opinion, I think it was just, you know, a classic, uh, you know, Winning hangover for for uh, that I think a lot of teams have, and in fact there's also the a classic time, bad
0: bad red card decision at the beginning of the game. That's one of the reasons yeah, why. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm, you know, the, the thing with me about refs, I, and we can even get into the the Real Madrid Barcelona roughing. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of San Antonio Spurs on this. If the ref says it, you know, there's not, there's nothing really you can argue about. It's just like, well, it happened. You know, it's frustrating, but like it's part of the game. You know. I just would say that it's not so much of Chelsea played poorly because they are, this is a sign of a of a, a regression this year, but more so just it was, a, it was a bit of a hangover game from last year's win. And I think also, you know, when you're bringing in new players like Bacuay and Morata, there's a bit of an adjustment.
0: Well, Bacuay is not new, but he's new in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, new in, sorry, I, I just meant, you know, the, the rotation.
0: Sorry. Yeah, no, I got you. Um... The main thing, the, the couple takeaways I took away from that. Mir, I'm a lot like you. I know there are a lot of people who love to, to moan about referees' decisions and say, oh, we lost the game because of the referee. And I'm usually not one of those guys, but my God, that referee was atrocious on Saturday that first the the Fabregas red card I'll give him that that's that's fine but that was in the yeah, 80th that minute that was, that was a very bad decision and ridiculous. Fabregas has got to be worried because there that midfield is going to become very packed once Bakayoko is up to form and apparently Conte was furious with him after that so if if you're on Conte's bad side you may not get back in the starting lineup he he barely started a game the first half of last season so I would be yeah. I would you got to be very very worried if you're Seth Fabregas right now you got to be very worried about how much playing time you're going to get over the next few months. But anyway, re- regardless of the refereeing, regardless of everything... Well, but
1: also, you know, says he's an experienced player, right? He's played in Champions League finals, right? He's, he's won a few titles, right? I mean, he this is a guy who...
0: It's a guy you know, who should know better.
1: Yeah, like it, I mean, you know, and it yeah, it was at the very least embarrassing. Have the maturity of a man, you know, not to make silly mistakes in those sort of situations. And it's not even a high pressure game. I mean, yes, it's the first game of the season, but it's against Burnley. Why, why do something so silly when you know there's a full season to go? You know, because as you pick up these red cards, as you pick up these suspensions, you know, you get deeper in the doghouse. And and Comte is a classic Italian man. You know, I can tell you personally.
0: You know, <laughs> the more
1: you 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 bother us. The less, the less chances we're going to give you, you know, and and I, I think Fabregas really should, I, I don't, I, I, I'm a little confused as to why he did that. I, I, I think I think he should answer for it, to be honest with you, because he's a leader, you know, there's a bit of a turnover on the team, you know, with with Matic gone, you know, and, and he needs to step up, and if anything, he kind of regressed.
0: No, I 100% agree with you, and we'll get to Matic in a second, we'll get to just how good he looked in red and in red and black this past weekend. I mean, I I came in yeah, here. He does look I came right in. I mean, not like f- f- physically oh, looks good, well, I, but like I, he's I, playing I very well. <laughs> no, not like red like fits him as a fashion color. Like no, he oh, he, he fit. Did, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I knew you were gonna say that, Mir. Classic. I'm not surprised. But yeah, <laughs> going back to Chelsea. I was very, very impressed with Morata. I thought when he went in there, I thought when when Conte put him in there, I was going to be like, oh, boy, he's going to snatch it two or three chances. He's going to blaze one over the bar. And he ended up going in there and being the best player or best attacking player that Chelsea had on the pitch. I mean, no one else really showed up. Willian's continued his poor preseason form. I don't know. Boga, I don't know why he started the game. It's just because Chelsea are so short because of suspension and everything like that, and injury. Pedro was out with an injury, and obviously Hazard's not going to be back yet. He won't be back for another few weeks. It's... The, the Chelsea are really, really hurting up top, and if Morata can continue... He looked really, really good in that game, especially on that David Luiz goal. That flick over his head like that, that's that's something a player does when they're really in form. And we've been talking about Morata being really out of form in the preseason. I was very, very surprised with that, and very, very impressed.
1: Well... So, Real Madrid has a, has a really good uh, trainer. I, I forgot his name. He, he's, a, he's a very good athletic trainer. And he has connections at Chelsea. And from time to time, he will he will help train both teams. And I do wonder if the adjustment, leaving Real Madrid's training facility, you know, and, and kind of just the, 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 the routine there and going through a more of a... Because Conte is a little known, at least when he was in Juventus, I know that he, he was known for having a bit of tough practices, you know. I wonder if it took him a little bit of time to adjusting, but I do wonder if he did get some extra training sessions with his uh, ex Real Madrid trainer, and um, you know maybe got informed just in time. I do think though, so. Morata is always going to play that has a lot of heart. Uh, when he was at Juventus, he had amazing heart. Um, you know, to me, that Morata was the the symbol uh, the, the, of, of of kind of of hope for Chelsea to say, you know what, this is a bad game, but. You know, we got something here with Morata, and and you know, I don't know if there's any chance of any reconciliation with uh, Costa, but no, um,
0: zero, pr- but, zero. You
1: know, at, at, at the very least, you know, you have Morata in there, who, you know, pr- for answers and purposes, has always been uh, a player that has been devalued more than he should. You know, I agree. You know, he came through the academy system. At Real always was in the in, in the back because of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and Higuain and all those players that were at Real Madrid when he was just coming into his early 20s. And then, you know, he was loaned out to Juventus, so then he comes back to Real Madrid, sits a year there, you know, this past season. You know, I think this is a guy that the world really doesn't know, you know, and they, they've only seen him in spots, and so they think he's only like a guy who's great in the perfect opportunities. But, you know, I would really like to see what he has in store. And I, I do think he's definitely going to be great in the Champions League. But I, I, was, I was personally surprised, like you, uh, for the Premier League. But, you know, I had a lot of questions for you. Who is this guy? I I, I don't remember his name.
0: Uh, was it Bulba, Boba Fett? I don't remember this guy <laughs> Yeah, Boga, he's he started the game because there's nobody else to start. I don't know why Masanda didn't start. Uh, and Conte brought on Masanda late in the Community Shield game. I thought he was going to come in and, and and start the game, but then he brought in Boga, but then after the red card, he took him off right away. So he only played about 18 minutes in the game. It was just it was bizarre. It had disaster written all over it. That's why I'm not surprised. I'm I'm honestly very surprised they came back and made it three-two. I was very and pleased that- with the way that with the sh- with the energy they showed in the second half. If that was the Jose Mari if that was the Jose Mourinho team two years ago, they would have just lied down. It would have been three-nil. But Conte is very good about getting the best out of his players.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why you know last year there was a bit of an adjustment here at the beginning of the season with with uh, Conte. And I think again Conte is just tinkering with lineups. You know, maybe maybe that's all it is. And you know, maybe this is just an indication that it was just a day that he was tinkering with lineups, and there was a bit of a a hangover and they lost, but, you know, maybe, like, you know, by December they're going to go again on a, a, what was it, a 10-game win streak 13, that they had? 13. 13, yeah. I, I didn't remember if it was 10 or 13. I didn't want to say 13 to sound outrageous, but <laughs> it really was outrageous. It
0: was outrageous. So, yeah, yeah, no, that was a fantastic run and basically gave Chelsea the title, just that run in and of itself. Huge, huge, huge game coming up on Saturday at Wembley against Spurs. First game at At Wembley for Spurs. I mean, they didn't play very well there last season, which, something as a Chelsea fan, I can take solace in. But if I'm, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I I will gladly take a point in that game. I think this is this this one has disaster written all over it as well. Spurs played well; they didn't play fantastically against Newcastle, but they took care of business two nil. And I'm very very worried this could get ugly real fast. I I think Chelsea could go down two nil before even before anyone even knows what's going on. What do you think, Mir?
1: I I think that that if, if this is a game where Conte doesn't need to tinker with his lineups, I think this is an important game for momentum and just for the locker room. Conte is never about emotional uh, um, emotional wins, you know. But I, I will definitely say, you know, th- th- this is an important one. Yes. You know, this is one that that it's, it's on the schedule. Yeah, we can we can just say okay, it's on the schedule. We need to win it, but it's also it's it, it's first, so. And I think, you know, just for the fans, he needs that. And for the ownership. You know, the ownership is not happy with his behavior over the summer. Um, it was very unprofessional what he did with, the, with Costa. And, and um, you know, it, it would be a nice sticking point to the, to the board and, um, and, and also just the locker room to say, hey, guys, okay, look, we're still tinkering with our lineup, but when it mattered, we still beat Spurs or we tied.
0: No, 100%. No, you're 100% correct, Mir. Elsewhere in the Premier League, first weekend scores, everybody else pretty much took care of business, every one of the big boys. Man City won 2-0, United won 4-0. Man of the match caliber performance from Matic, two goals from Lukaku, that team looks real, real scary. Arsenal barely survived, they scraped out a 4-3 victory against Leicester in a game that was really, really fun to watch and really shows just, is really going to be a microcosm of Arsenal's season. I mean, it, it, it's, they <laughs> they start off well, Absolutely terrible in the middle of the game and somehow pick it all, all up together at the end to get a satisfactory, not fantastic result, but a satisfactory result. And the,
1: and the two big things that were a takeaway for me were Shakespeare's for real as the Leicester manager. I agree. Um, I think that Leicester is going to finish top eight this year. Okay. And also Giroud was insane. Like He's <laughs> that he's that really <laughs> become
0: such an important part of that Arsenal team. Jamie Vardy. Oh, where did he come from? I mean, he had that incredible season, but last season he completely disappeared. He was fantastic in that game.
1: Well, because I think, you know, I think, you know, and I, and I understand uh, Claudio Ranieri has a, has a history of doing this. He goes away from what works for him. And that's what Claudio Ranieri did last year. They, they, they Leicester won the the, the, champ, the Premier League and then you know he, he kind of went away from what worked and then Vardy, Barty's very good at something very specific you know he he's good he's good in space on the counters you know and 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 they went away from that and and then once Shakespeare came in he implemented the system again but I think more rigid defense obviously in this game game it didn't show but uh, I think that also be, is because you know there's still unrest in the locker room because of Maras but. I think you know by by October, this team is going to look uh, pretty scary. Yeah, I mean to me, it was it was almost as, as big a win as it as it was a you know a, a loss. Like I think it was either way. You know, if there's room for improvement, but also, hey, guys, we're we're close. You know, we can we can almost be Arsenal, almost tie Arsenal. You know, we can we can start you know making plans of being a team that's consistently in contention. To, to possibly make it into the champions like Everton. You know, Everton doesn't consistently make it into the champions, and probably hasn't in a, in a few years, but the thing is that they're always competing for it. And Leicester might be like a second Everton, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you there. I think, well, what's your biggest takeaway? From this opening weekend of games, in my opinion, I'm gonna go with Matic and just Man United. I'm, they were, like I said a couple minutes ago, they were fantastic. They look real scary. It's the second season for Mourinho, and he has such a good track record of a, of of being an uh, of a fantastic finish in his second season. What did you think, Mir?
1: Okay, I'm I'm not very high on on this United team, and you know I'm probably going to end up being very wrong. But I'm you gonna did pick Chelsea to pick out
0: of, finish out of the top four last year.
1: Yes, exactly, and and you know what, you know I, I I might go down with the ship on this United thing too. I just I'm not really sure that um, United really has the. Uh, I don't think they have the skill to, to be this good. I mean, they got completely annihilated by Real Madrid. That is true. And I know that's Real Madrid, but they were a tactical team. The, the minute um, United play a team like the Spurs, right? They're, they're, I, I feel like they're going to be in trouble. I see like 2-1 or 3-2 kind of wins or maybe 1-0. Um, I, I think they're going to really struggle in tactical teams. I think they're, they're going to struggle against uh, strikers like Morasta. I mean, I love Bali, but, but you know, is a tactical striker. And, and if he doesn't face truly physical and, and, and well-positioned uh, center back, then is going to kill him. And, and I, I am a little worried about United's defense uh, on the back four. And I think that there's a possibility that United could just end up finishing third or fourth. Um, I, my biggest takeaway, though, was definitely uh, Everton. Um, I was really, you know, that was my big pick. Wayne Rooney, year. a great
0: homecoming for him. Yeah,
1: and 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 I thought that it was a, it was not just right place, right time. It was a classic, just like Ibrahimovic last year. He's in the right place at the right time because he knows where to be. Yes, and and that's the point, and and that's why players at that age, no matter, you know, it, it, as I said in the last pod. You know, we have this thing in Italy. If you're a champion, like in terms of skill and ability, you're always going to be a champion. You'll get older, yes. You'll get Your skills will still be there, but your physical ability will diminish, but your skill will be there. I mean, Rooney's heading was there. You know, I mean, his, his legs will still be there in terms of accuracy, and he'll always know the spots, you know, whether he's 20 or 50. He'll always know them. The point is, can he muster up enough fitness to be effective this year maybe hit you know I don't know 20 to 25 goals but I really do think that, the, that there's a possibility that he could definitely be between the range of 15 and 20 and possibly even 25 and so to me it was a big that was the biggest takeaway
0: yeah you mentioned uh Morata versus Baye and, and tactical strikers against a team like Manchester United November 5th is the first meeting between Chelsea and United this season uh Jose Mourinho Heading back to Stamford Bridge for a early fall showdown, which would be a, a very interesting game. It's it, it's going to be very surprising and very interesting to see what the league looks like at that point. We'll move on from the English Premier League. Spent a ton of time on that, as, as we need to, considering it was the oh, first yeah, weekend and so many things happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll move down to Spain. We'll touch on this briefly. There's not a ton of things to say. Real Madrid beating Barcelona 3-1 in the first leg of the Spanish Super Cup. Absolutely horrendous refereeing decision for the Barcelona goal, but it ended up not mattering because Real Madrid just completely outclassed Barcelona. But speaking of class, a lack of class from Cristiano Ronaldo, something that was a bad call, another bad refereeing call, but you cannot in any sport, in any country, put your hands on a referee, and that was just absolutely unacceptable from Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think his five-game suspension is more than justified.
1: So I watched, this game from start to finish, and uh, I watched it with some of my buddies, and it was incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, you know, you said you didn't have much to say. I really had a lot to say from the refereeing perspective. I know that just a, you know ten minutes ago we said you did you know, just referees, say you don't you don't yeah. you don't
0: like to go after referees, but
1: it, no, not not to say that I was going not to say like going after the referees, but more so just you know the decision was the decision. But I will say this: there were a lot of missed calls. That uh, Barcelona should have gotten a lot of penalty kicks. Uh, I counted three actually, and and they finally gave Messi one of them. I, I thought it, they were. It was Suarez up who won the penalty. At. Oh, I oh sorry, I I thought it was Messi that scored it. Um, oh,
0: Messi scored it, but Suarez won it.
1: Right, yes. No, I just meant, you know, like, the just the penalty kick itself. Yes. I thought that there were there were four instances. One of them they actually counted, but three others that were really glaringly missed in the first half. I mean, I don't know if you watched the game, but it, it was pretty horrendous. Um, there were a lot of moments where uh, uh, Casemiro dove on Messi multiple times. They only like, gave him a yellow card for one of the most benign ones. But there were a lot of them that they were really rough. I think it's Real Madrid kind of asserting its power over Barcelona, letting them know, yo, your boy's gone. We're going we're gonna to mess yeah, you up now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, tactically, it was insane. Uh, the, uh, Real Madrid the Rafael, just seemed to
0: completely overrun them. Oh, it, the.
1: Just the academy system uh, in, in in just that that they have and the training staff that they have. I mean, they have that Marcos Sainz is, is insanely good, and and Isco was brilliant. Modric wasn't even in the game, and that's how good they were.
0: Yeah,
1: Cross uh, was quiet, and he's a he's a solid player that you you still see on the field, you know. But. Isco was so good and Marco was so good, even as a sub. And Cristiano Ronaldo was so good tactically that it was just, it was really marvelous to watch um, just how good they were. But it also was was kind of disappointing just to see how many missed calls there were and just the lack of class because it wasn't just a, a classic rivalry matchup. It was more like one team was just kind of beating up on the other. And, you know, one thing I do want to touch up was De La Feuze. I mean, I'm not saying he's a joke, but the way he is being played in the lineup is kind of a joke. I mean, Suarez has no trust for him. He just completely ignores him on on the left hand side. Always goes to Messi, forcing the ball into tight holes, and Messi was just getting beat up. So it was it was really very disheartening to watch. I felt for PK. You know, that was a pretty silly error for him to make. To very just, silly Pique. error. Yeah, but but then again, you know, the the just. It, it, if you seen the game, it was really stressful. I mean, it was just it was a bombardment. Real just kept coming over and over and over because they're, they're,
0: they're a real they're a real far they're a real far cry from the Barcelona that we know from four or five years ago. I
1: will say though, they haven't had a good defender since Puyol, in my opinion, because I think PK is more of a center defensive mid. I agree. But Umtiti, that guy's tough. I mean, that guy that guy shut down Bale at least. De-
0: definitely, and- definitely someone to watch for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean he. he pretty young. He he was great at the Euros. He he was great last year, and I know obviously the the, the defense. It's Twenty-three. Was yeah, I mean the defense was porous this year. But if a twenty-three-year-old can at least shut down one of the stars, Bale, right? And I mean at least he's doing his job, right? You know, yeah, okay, they, they scored three goals, but you know they shut they. I mean he shut down Bale, and and that's already something, you know.
0: No, absolutely. I think. We've got to move on here, Mir. I know you want to talk about some of the news from your home country, Italy, and a lot of the stuff going on there. But as I said earlier, it's a, it's it was really shocking for me to watch. I watched about half the game, and it was really shocking just to see how how much better Real Madrid is than Barcelona at this point. I mean, it, Barcelona definitely had the upper hand in that rivalry for most of the recent past. Over the past few years, it has uh, swung the other direction. But this was just a complete outclass. I was very, very surprised. All right, Mir, let's talk about Italy for a second. You say... That Aubameyang is probably going to go to AC Milan. What do you What do you have on that?
1: Okay, so from what I've been hearing, just talking to a few of the people that I know that are you know working in the like La like Gazzetta dello Sport, which is the the top uh, sports newspaper in 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 Italy, and, and I would say one of the biggest in in uh, in, in Europe. It always competes with Lequipe. Um, Obama Young was answering some Q and A's on Instagram, and, and, and he was talking about how you know he really loved his time at Milan, just making it kind of I think obvious that he really wants to go there. And all summer he was linked there, and I think Milan just had better, it uh, just was more interested in other areas because you know they they do have uh, they do have Costa at least as as, as, a, as their backup, um, but you know they obviously want a, a replacement for him. Anyway, the thing is is that. Um, if, he, if, if Milan can get him for, for 60 or, or 50 million euros, I think they're definitely going to get him. Um, the problem is, is that Dortmund is trying to sell him for 70 or 80. Um, they want to revamp their youth system. Um, and you know Dorman might lose Dembele. So I think it's going to be really tough for Dorman to sell both. I think the players that they want to keep, most likely, and to continue their tradition of, of being a youthful team is Dembele. But I think that that's the harder one to keep. Um, so I think in the next two weeks, there's going to be something's going to happen at the very latest, you know, just just before the end of the transfer window.
0: No, absolutely. Um, Mir <laughs> our Italian correspondent. Mir, thanks so much with all your information from Italy. It's it's always nice to have like an inside source from there. Okay. And that just about wraps it up for FUVFC on this August 15th, 2017. We'll be back with you next week. As always, this is John Furlong. And from Mir have a wonderful week.